Well, Sunday morning and welcome to everyone, as everybody will be watching this um, recording on Sunday morning lockdown, and so we are fellowshipping together um, in this way, although we know that um, we are together in the Spirit, mm-hmm. um, just so that you know that um, we pre-record this teaching for Sunday morning, and on Sunday morning, weirdly enough, uh, I'll probably be sitting uh, <laughs> from 9 in the morning, uh, we'll probably be sitting and watching this teaching with you, yeah. together with you, <laughs> which is a whole new dynamic <laughs> for fellowship. Um, and so, uh, I'll be seeing, we'll be seeing what you see, mm. and hearing what you're hearing. Um, we are going to just uh, talk a little bit about prayer, enriching our prayer life, mm. and um, again reminding ourselves of the aspects of prayer as um, during this time, and I think for, for the future, uh, there will be a greater substance, a, great, a greater unctioning. Mm. Uh, for intercessive prayer in our lives. Yes. Um, we have definitely had a very practical, I think, activation from the Lord's side just because of circumstances. We are all aware of um, the changing world around us. We are more aware of our role our responsibility in praying for the world. And I think, and I'm hoping, I'm believing that the unctioning in everyone's hearts uh, will be increasing Mm. to pray for the body, the welfare of the body, and for the um, perfecting of the bride. And so we're going to look at enriching our prayer. So let's start with Amen as the beginning. (laughs) We'll start at the end. (laughs) So, um, the word Amen, believe it or not, is not a way of saying like, goodbye, I'm done with prayer now. (laughs) As As many might think. After prayer going like, okay God, I'm just going to excuse myself. Like a formal way of saying, see you later. (laughs) That's not it. That's not it. Right, so the word Amen... Uh, is actually a v- v- quite an ancient word with a lot of uh, specific meaning, and there's a good reason why we use it. Um, most of you would be aware, or I don't know, it might be, but we know that the Lord, when He speaks, the Lord Yahushua, in the throughout the Gospels, we see often He would start a parable or a saying or a teaching with verily I say unto you, or truly I say to you, or even truly, truly. We know there's all those kinds of words. And um, if you actually go look at the original translation and what he originally would have said, uh, his wording would have been, in Hebrew, Amen, Amen, instead of verily I say unto you, or truly I say unto you. So it would have been Amen, Amen, and then saying whatever it was that he was going to say. And this he did very specifically, and he didn't do it randomly at all. So the word amen 
means verily or truly. And uh, you can go look at where that comes from. The root words, uh, the root word I think is aman, and I can't specifically remember the meaning now, but you can go look at that. So the word amen was used to establish, to confirm, to uh, confirm that something that was said or that was going to be said was true, but not just true in general, true according to God and God's word and God's ways and God's proclamations and his plan and his will. So, for instance, we see, if you go look in Deuteronomy, when the blessings and curses are read from the mountaintops to the people in the valley, then uh, you would see that a one law or one curse or blessing would be proclaimed, and then the people would respond with, Amen. And then they read the next one, and then the people would say, Amen. So this was an interaction. So Moses and Aaron would read, and then the people would res respond with, Amen, in the way of saying, we confirm, this is true, this is God saying, we acknowledge it is so, uh, if that makes sense. And so, um, what Yahushua actually does in his teachings, when he uses the word Amen, this is actually quite profound and fascinating. Um, within the culture, and within the time that he was living within the Jewish culture and religion, uh, many scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, rabbis, uh, teachers of the law, or lawyers, um, they would, it wasn't often, it wasn't a regular and normal thing that the teachers would just establish out of their own. So, rarely there would be certain rabbis or teachers that would have uh, extra or uh, above average understanding or insight into the scriptures and then they would establish certain truths certain principles rituals or you know um, anything from the word that had to be established but so more often than not uh, rabbis or teachers or scribes or any of these people who were in some authority role within the Jewish religion they would only refer back to what had already been established so either to the prophets, as we see them here, or to Moses specifically, as he would have established the law, or to other rabbis or scribes that had established certain things within their belief system. Very rarely would they just establish out of their own, because that was a risky thing to do. Now what our Lord does when he comes onto the scene, and remember from, from the Jewish perspective, he's, he's uh, uneducated, relatively, I mean, he's a carpenter. Uh, he hasn't been trained, hasn't been living his life, you know, in the scriptures, studying as some of them would have. So even though we know him as rabbi, he wouldn't have been acknowledged uh, officially as a rabbi, you know, professionally. And so the fact that he comes onto the scene and starts his teachings with saying, Amen, Amen, has huge significance that us as Gentiles might not you know, uh, have the access to understand or always. So what he does with saying, Amen, Amen. So I said that when they were on the mountain proclaiming the laws, they would read one line and then the people would respond with Amen. So we say it is true. But they were confirming what someone else was saying as it being true according to God's ways and God's standards and God's word. What Yahushua does in starting his sayings or his teachings with Amen, Amen, is he actually goes into the whole beginning and end, I am the beginning and end principle and truth. 
So he starts with saying, and remember, he doesn't say this at the end. So he doesn't do his teaching and then go, Amen, Amen. He started with, Amen, Amen, and then says his teaching. So he actually starts with, you haven't heard what I have to say yet, but I'm telling you that I'm going to establish it and then I'm going to confirm it. Here is what I have to say. This was huge and probably part of the, part of the reason why they refer to him as a heretic and <laughs> all kinds of bad things is because no one ever did it this way, ever, yeah. ever. So amen, actually, in its, in its word form, the reason it's used it is, is to confirm what usually has been said already. But he starts with saying, I'm going to establish and then I'm going to confirm. It is true, according to God's will, his ways, his word, his plan, and all the scriptures that has been revealed before. And he establishes it himself. So this is really quite fascinating. And so obviously this has been drawn down through the ages, and now we, in our prayer life, have become used to saying our prayers and then ending it with amen. But obviously now in light of what the information we now have, this isn't just a random word or something to kind of say, okay, I'm done and finishing it off nicely, you know, rounding it off. This is actually a way of confirming what has been said. Mm. So you can take us from there. See, and in reaching our prayer response uh, and our prayer interaction with God, we can freely in wisdom utilize this concept of Amen. So, firstly, the first and most important action of prayer is to seek the Lord to understand. So we seek Him for the fear of the Lord mm -hmm. actively on a daily basis and throughout the day. Now, the fear of the Lord is the oftentimes very subtle move of the will of God on the inside of our inside being. You might even perceive it as a push in the physical chest, mm. but it is the interaction with my eternal, or the interaction between the eternal Messiah with the full will of uh, God the Father, interacting with my eternal uh, being and person inside <laughs> of him and one with him on that side in the spiritual eternal reality and I experience it here as the agreement agreement forged between what I perceive to be the silent eternal me in this world mm. and the active uh, eternal Holy Spirit with whom I'm one in this world. And this has a combustion effect where it is a movement, mm. a momentum. It's going to move my will. It's going to move me in inspiration, in understanding, in vision, in wisdom. So there will be a movement to act or to want to act. Mm. A movement to question. A movement to answer. Yes. A movement to seek or a, move, a movement to acquire, a movement to know. So sometimes the fear of the Lord can move us into knowing before we realized we needed to seek mm. or to ask. Um, the move of God 
on the inside that forges the agreement according to His will is supposed to then move us into action and this creates the what we call um, momentum forward, the progression in our faith walk. Um, we can perceive it sometimes, a, a combination of the will of God. <coughs> we can perceive with uh, the voice of God. This can be the Holy Spirit directing us to the Word of God. So He will quicken in us the Word mm. of God. So that our attention will be drawn to what the Scripture says. don't know about you, sometimes I'm drawn to what the Scripture says and I have to find my Bible mm. <clears throat> to check exactly what it says mm. and the context uh, in which the, it is said. Yes. This could happen. Or in a moment within the flow of my daily life, I can be um, moved by the fear of the Lord and then reminded of the Scripture of the Lord. Or I can be reminded of something he has spoken about before. Mm. I can reminded, be reminded of a teaching I've heard before. Yes. Or something that um, was said within fellowship. And this combination then creates an atmosphere for a movement, etc. Now, how do we bring this back to applying the word Amen in our daily walk so we want to live prayerfully so there's a part of my being that's always like a satellite dish searching for the will of God mm. um, so I'm fine tuning to find that exact signal and to try and get it as crisp and clear as possible at all times I can be busy with my physical being doing things but inside I'm fine-tuning to find the will of God and the voice of God, the unctioning of the Holy Spirit. Um, and in this, a good response when I find that channel, something has landed, something has been connected, I connected to a signal, mm. I can respond in Amen, let it be established, let it be done, I confirm. Mm. And this is a picture that we can draw right back to the first uh, expressions of the word I mean by the Israelites. Now, the picture is this. Um, the priesthood representing Yahushua, he becomes the, the high priest and he's going to now um, interact with us through the Holy Spirit yes. and his written word. Here, the priesthood is on the tops, mm. uh, so they're in a higher place. The people are in the valley and they have to look up. Mm. Mm. They have to lift their heads. It would be very obvious if one of the crowd down there l lost <laughs> concentration and stopped paying attention. He was fiddling with... Tying his shoelaces. You know, checking his phone. Quickly. <laughs> Um, Looking so, at the other people's shoes. Exactly. Uh, checking what the other people are doing. Are they saying amen again? Oh, yes, amen. <laughs> See, now that is a posture that was forced upon them by the situation, the mm. circumstances. The declaration is coming from on high. Yes. 
It is coming via the Holy Spirit through the priesthood and it is expressed and manifested as word. Mm. This is received by a physical attitude Mm. of uh, heads lifted, eyes lifted, attention lifted, Mm. opening themselves up. Because they are going to have to agree and confirm something that will have a direct influence on their lives for the rest of their lives and the lives of their children. Uh, They can't come back later on, a week later, and say, look, I missed that part. I didn't mean to agree. (laughs) I just said I mean, but I didn't mean it. I wasn't listening. I'm sorry. Can we take it back? I don't want to do this, and I don't want the curse if I don't do it. So I didn't agree because I wasn't paying attention. Too late, buddy. You were supposed to pay attention. So in other words, the amen that they said was actually an active response so an interactive act- active response it wasn't just well let's just say i mean they yep. were agreeing and confirming what was being said so working an active amen into our daily responses to god helps us to govern ourselves uh, to pay attention it helps us to uh, work a disciplined uh, circumspect Mm. Uh, type of walk walk and attitude into our daily responses to God because we sometimes do uh, pick up the signal Mm. and something in us responds like the Lord spoke to me about this but did I confirm Mm. did I agree did I respond did I respond and um, have I responded and confirmed to the degree that I'm going to now continue in that that I'm going to respond in an actual Way so there has to be actuality mm. added to the spiritual experience or sense. Mm. Uh, we add other layers, obviously, to it. That if we feel that the Lord has spoken to us through the Word or spoken by unctioning to us, that we want to chronicle it, we want to make notes of it, we want to write it down, we want to become accountable. Mm by relaying important things to others, by praying it back to God and Mm. confirming. So there's other layers, but a very simple layer is this layer of Amen. Mm. So we could be listening. Prayer could look like this, listening, sitting, receiving understanding from the Lord and responding, Amen, Lord. Mm. Amen. Amen. Confirming that it will be established Mm. through my actions and my response. But for, through his mighty working and his yes. authority, also established this. Yes. Amen. Let it be established in our community. Let yes. it be established in the body. Let it be established in the church. Amen. According to your word. Now, at the moment that I am going to use the expression amen, we have to understand that the Lord is, is using the expression amen, amen, because he's never going to express anything, say anything, or word anything. Um, out of his own uh, motivation of the moment or inspiration of the moment, all he is going to do, Mm. and that's why when he says amen, amen, he's saying that he is confirming what the Father has already spoken to him because he has taught us and he has confirmed that he will only speak with the the words that the Father has already given him to speak. Mm. Those words will always line up to the word that we know as the Old Testament or the Scriptures or the Torah and the Prophets. Now these things, that is why he can say Amen, Amen, because he has already completed and fulfilled all things. Remember that he's baptized into his own baptism. 
That is why the Holy Spirit is poured out on him because he has already been baptized into his own death and resurrection because the Holy Spirit cannot be poured out otherwise on anyone. Mm. And um, even in Cornelius' house where the Holy Spirit is poured out, they are still baptized to signify the fact that they are surrendering and laying down their life and they have been brought into the reality of and the fulfillment of resurrection. Now when he's saying, Amen, Amen, He's not just saying, I'm going to say something and it will be done. He's saying, I'm going to speak according to that which has already mm. been finished and fulfilled. He's witnessing to that. And then he's saying, not only am I going to express and respond to what has already been done within the will of God, which is already his finished work and therefore can be trusted. He's saying that I will also now go forth and complete and fulfill these things. And our prayer response should come from that response. Mm. I will only respond in amen towards God out of that which has already been done and finished and established within the will of God according to the word of God. Mm. I will never veer outside of the boundaries of that which has been done and already has been completed within the will of God. Mm. So I will remain within the perfect will of God. I will never go outside. But then I will go forth from this moment on and from the position in prayer that I am finding myself now when I say amen, I will go forth and I will go now to fulfill that which has been fulfilled in His will. So our response to the word, to the unction, to what the Holy Spirit lays on our hearts in, in, in prayer will come out of this place of a double amen. And amen, that is, to confirm what God has said, has taught, has established, and to confirm that His will is uh, uh, final, has been finalized, has been completed. Now I will go in my life, and I will go and establish, fulfill that which has already become true and is eternally true. Mm. And I will not veer outside of that, but I will in my life see the fulfillment of it. And therefore we can respond in amen, amen attitude. And uh, this is something that we want to establish in the prayer attitude mm. to enrich it. Okay, so in enriching our prayer life, we looked at amen, and so we can even at times start our prayer time with an amen. Now, this is unusual, and I usually only do this in my very private um, prayer time at, on special occasions or special interactions. And this would be where I have already sat with the Lord and been saturated with that which we are going to express and confirm in prayer. Mm. And this goes back to the concept of um, Yahushua coming and speaking and declaring only the words that the Father has spoken to him. Now, this is primary and very important to our prayer life. I want to make myself available in humility, mm. emptying out my heart and my psyche, my understanding, my thoughts, emptying it out from my own stuff, my own understanding, my own desires and the things that I want to pray 
or have to pray. I want to empty myself out from the pride that will lead to me praying a uh, exemplary prayer. And I want to spend time in the presence of God's Spirit to be saturated with His will. Um, like a sponge that would be saturated mm-hmm. with His will. And out of that, I can now start a prayer time with, Amen, let this be established and let this be fulfilled. Let this be sure and steadfast and unchanging. And then we... I can continue to pray back and to release into the atmosphere of this creation my time and this generation that's that with which I'm sure that I've been saturated with regarding the heart of Yahweh, the heart of God and the mind of God as I allow the Holy Spirit to fill all the space inside and outside of me mm-hmm. and he is the will of God and then we can go I add in partnership with the Holy Spirit my voice as an emissary on earth mm-hmm. and there in the circumstances like this I can start a prayer with a prayer with Amen I confirm your will I confirm the understanding I confirm a portion of scripture, a portion of scripture. we can even sometimes uh, be convicted to take a piece of scripture mm-hmm. and amen it into our world and amen yes. it back to God just yes. in its pure written form without mm. interpretation or adding to it. And therefore, saying, Lord, out of my life and my positioning on earth, the little space that I fill, I amen this piece of scripture mm. to be established, to be true, and to be fulfilled at least in my circle of um, influence, my circle of circumstance, in my life especially, and in my person especially, I want to see an amen of this to be a reality. So this is how beautiful this concept around mm. this can be. I also find sometimes in just reading scripture, because prayer obviously takes many forms, but, you know, oftentimes in, in quiet time in reading the scripture, there are certain parts that are kind of lifted out. You can actually kind of feel the Lord speaking it to you. It kind of becomes alive. Well, I also often catch myself in just responding with a simple Amen. So not having to do much more with it in that moment, mm. but just receiving it, confirming it, kind of Amen back to the Lord. So you don't have to remind him of what it says. You can kind of feel him stirring it up, bringing it to life, and you just confirm back to him it is true. Um, also, very, very good interactive kind of way. Yeah. It's very important because uh, us as an individuals, as individuals and our lives must become touching points for the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's one of the primary uh, ways that we can worship God, serve God, and and become the church on earth, Mm. a touching point. And the one thing that we want to touch down in our lives is the reality and fulfillment of the Word of God, the truth of the Word Mm. of God, the meaning and understanding of the Word of God, and then the outworking of the Word of God. I become a touching point uh, for this. 
And that is why another very important thing to maybe just uh, highlight mm. regarding prayer is that um, primarily in prayer, I'm not praying out there for those people and mm. for the world out there. Even if I'm praying, um, Lord, help them, Lord, have mercy on them. Primarily, first of all, I, uh, when I say amen, I'm saying, let it first be established here. Let it first mm. be true here. Mm. Let, uh, mm. I, let my life become, albeit a very tiny and small touching point on earth, I literally don't even occupy one square meter at a time. Um, that's how insignificant I might be. But there's a tiny touching point where um, when I say amen to the word of God, I'm saying that the word of God first become true in me, become real in me, become active, become mm. powerful. And then from there on, because it's true for me, let it be true for others. Because it has brought change in me, let it bring change in others. Now, I want to see that be true after the Amen. Um, and that's why we do not judge, we cannot judge, and we cannot be judgmental. But we can reflect light against darkness, mm. truth against the lie. And that's not judgment. That's just the no, reflecting yes. of the opposites. Mm. The more I reflect the fact that I want to deflect the lie uh, and fill the space with mm. light, the more I have to acknowledge the fact that outside the circle of light that truth has brought into my life, there is a darkness, a lack of the truth and light. And that is why we don't move through acknowledging truth and the lack of it. We're not going to move into a space of judgment necessarily. Mm. We're just going to make it very clear that in this little space mm. that I occupy, there's no room for that which is untrue mm. or not eternal or not the God of will of God. There's no space for it. And if it's going to be moved outside of my, my sphere, the space I occupy, and I'm going to say, I see you, you stay there, and the light can start to occupy, mm. truth occupy this space. Mm. Now, this is all actions when we are in the Word, and acknowledging and saying, Amen. Let this be established here, and that move there. Mm. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, let's enrich from the Psalms our prayer life and see how we can enrich our understanding and expand because ideally we want to expand our ability to remain in prayer yes. to immerse mm. in the presence of God and have a comfortable interaction mm. with the one with whom we are one mm. so <clears throat> so now let's start looking at ways to enrich our prayer life and uh, we're going to be going to the Psalms because we want to look specifically at those who have come before us who have throughout their lives developed a prayer ability. Please note, that's a new word that we've coined. It's one word. <laughs> and, um, but before we, we start looking at those, I want to lift out two, two main reasons why, why we do this. So firstly... We understand that our 
walk with the Lord is also a growth process. So we start out as spiritual babies, toddlers, and grow up, called to grow up in the spirit. Now, because of grace, there is this dynamic that in the beginning, in our younger years, we obviously don't necessarily know all the truth contained in the word, don't yet understand all the thought patterns, all the type of expressions, the way the word speaks, language, the language, all of those kind of things, which we'll look at some more now. And because of God's grace and because of his kindness and his mercy, as a father to his children, he can interpret what it is that we pray. So much as in any earthly uh, relationship between a parent and a toddler, if the toddler tries to communicate something to its parent, obviously it's not going to be perfectly expressed. <laughs> the vocabulary would be limited. But because of the parent-child dynamic, the parent can interpret what his or her child is trying to communicate. And so because of a loving relationship, there is grace for the lack of expression or vocabulary. But obviously the toddler is going to grow up and then conversation will get better. So that would be the first reason why we endeavor to enrich our prayer lives because of the communication that we want to, you know, we want to grow up in the spirit. Secondly, <clears throat> in the prayers that we, we are used to, when we come to the Lord, but we come in a prayer attitude of praying what we understand, what we know according to our vision, according to our ambitions, according to our desires, um, any of those kind of things. As we come with those types of prayers, you'll find it's a universal truth. Those prayers tend to be not edifying. The moment we shift our understanding, our vision, uh, all of that to be in line with the truth of the word. So this is where we come back to renewing our minds so that we think according to what is written. But not just according to the truth that is written, we learn to speak the language. We learn to understand the kind of expressions that's used in the Bible. We learn the, the wording even, the, the way thought patterns are expressed. Because as we do this, as we shift our gaze, we shift our focus, we shift the way we think, the way we speak, the way we act, specifically in prayer, we'll find that those types of prayers are they too edify. So they will without a doubt edify. And edification again is not just feeling better. It is actually the building up. The word means to build up, to grow. And so we see that these two combinations go together. We want to grow in the spirit. But to do that we also learn to shift and change the way we think and speak. To be in line with the word so that specifically in our prayer lives we can grow. We can be edified. We know that the prayers and the supplications that we do bring will edify. I want to just comment, just throw something in mm. there at this point. Um, any person that comes into a circle of believers mm. would immediately notice that there's terminology that's almost unique to um, a Bible-believing community. Mm. There's a way of speaking that is different from what a person would be used to out in the world. doesn't matter what culture, what country or nation mm -hmm. you come from. doesn't actually matter uh, which level of um, 
educated circles you move yes. in, if you're a professional person, there's going to be terminology mm. that is going to be different and there's a language yes. spoken by believers that mm. is unique to believers. Now, the reason I want to comment on this when it comes to prayer and um, all other aspects of uh, fellowship mm. is that there's a trend, there's been a trend in the world where um, many have endeavored to s speak the language that uh, is the language of the generation or the world. In other words, be current. And they think that that would make the body of Messiah more um, approachable mm, mm. and easier to understand uh, mm. for the generation that we're living in now. It sounds good. And I'm not saying it's completely wrong at all yes, times. Yes. But I want to make this point when it comes to prayer, uh, fellowship, etc., etc. They've gone as far as translating the scriptures, the Bible. And in the endeavor, through different translations, to make the reading of the word more contemporary mm, mm. and more the, the thinking is it will be more understandable mm. more current um, in that endeavor they have actually I believe erred mm. on in a very important area of life understanding uh, seeking the kingdom and prayer I'm going to explain If we start moving away from the terminology and the language of the Bible, the understanding of the Bible that grounds us and mm. that brings us, it will bring people from different backgrounds, mm. different um, economic um, positions. levels, positions, mm. uh, different social standing, mm. different cultures, different parts of the world we live in. It will bring all those people, if we uh, continue with biblical language, the biblical expression, mm. biblical terminology, mm -hmm. what it will do over a period of time, it will draw everybody to a core, yes. a place. And in that place, we start finding ourselves being part of the great cloud of witnesses. Mm. And the great cloud of witnesses is beyond and outside and above uh, the generations of man. It is above the changes of time and culture. Now, what this does is it brings us into fellowship with Abraham that lived how long before us? What is it now? 4,000 years odd. So we can, we can find... Uh, not only agreement, but we can find um, fellowship, commonality with Abraham and Isaac and Moses mm. and King David. Mm. Now just think for a moment the difference in social standing, in, in lifestyle, that we see when we're speaking about Jacob mm. and King David mm. and King Solomon. Yet when we think of them, we all think of them as God's chosen people. Mm, mm. 
God's beloved well Solomon in the end not so much but in the beginning yes yes. Mm -hmm. people that knew God and walked in the same so we see them all traveling the same road yes yes in more or less the same way there's obvious similarities so King Solomon is known for the extravagance of the riches that God allowed him to live in Jacob is disregarded, disrespected by um, Pharaoh when he comes to meet Pharaoh because he's just a shepherd. As much as we adore and revere Jacob as a biblical figure, he was a shepherd that was traveling with a few tents and a few people through uh, the wilderness. Um, He probably smelled like sheep. And um, King Solomon was visited by all the important dignitaries of uh, the known world. Mm. King David, a warrior king, yes. um, Valiant, was a shepherd boy, but he ends up being the greatest leader. Yes. Um, and the, the leader and king of the time, the only real time when... The house of Judah and the house of Israel were uh, really united Mm. in one kingdom. Why is this important? I believe that it's a mistake for us to start trying to adapt Mm. and adopt to whatever the cultural winds are of our time. We're thinking that if we speak the way they speak, Make, give them music that they can uh, recognize yes. and it's adjust familiar. the way that mm. we teach or preach to whatever the community out there is. And especially when it comes to the young people, mm. I believe um, God's leaders are always looking to find ways to reach them and, mm. and be um, um, more approachable. Mm. I believe what the, every generation wants is Abraham to be Abraham yes. and King David to be King David yes. and Paul to be Paul. We Definitely. want to uh, present Paul in all his authority, yes. his authenticity. Yes. And that means that we want to present Yahushua in his authenticity. We yes. do not want to make him more approachable to yes. the world. We, we want, want to, to present Yahweh the Ancient of Days mm. and the one that is from everlasting to everlasting. Mm. We want to present Him in all His righteousness and holiness and the full weight of His, of his holiness. We want to present Him to the world in the same way that He was known by King David. Yes. And the way that I believe we achieve that is to rather maintain mm. a standard of biblical terminology yes a biblical meaning and definition to the words that is very important we've worked hard to establish what is the everlasting definition of terms and words and ideas in the bible uh, not what a generation would uh, need mm. but what it will always be yes within that we can adapt to our times, 
by becoming more humble again. Yes. By becoming ourselves as people, as ministers, becoming more approachable. Yes. And, and remaining so. That. And that servitude and humility. Yes, and we see even Paul takes on that approach, but he doesn't neglect or put aside any of his godly authority or the godliness that exactly. he walks in. So we're seeking David Don's. And is reviled for the fact that he did. But it doesn't take away from the fact that he's the warrior king. And he is the friend of God. And you are not going to come and make silly jokes with him. And that's never going to change. And I want to see God's leaders of the future Mm. uh, remaining this uh, or or, or maintaining the same high level of dignity, honor, love, grace and truth Mm. and when it comes to prayer i think this is very important because there's a move out in the world that we should move away from the protocols of um the throne or room if you want to call it the throne the presence of yahweh and uh, we there's an encouragement that we can just use terminology loosely decide on new ways to pray and um, to worship. And I think that is another sign of the Antichrist spirit. Mm-hmm. I think it's much safer for us personally to be approachable. And when we speak to people, um, to find terminology that we can use to lead them slowly yes, but surely yes. into a more mature way of speaking and terminology. But we see people do much better. If we help them come mm. to the center core of biblical thinking, renewing the mind biblically, and that entails language, yes. primarily. Yes. Now, the moment you start messing with language, you lose the core. Yes. So we can use a terminology and language that is um, still sanctified, mm. Uh, to speak to people and to lead them here, but we yes. want intentionally to lead them back to the core of the way that Paul would have expressed himself. Yes. Biblically. Yes. And I believe that's where why we uh, maintain a standard of the New King James Bible. We don't want to make it easier. We want to be able to explain it to give the, everybody access to understanding, yes. but expect of them that they would over time mature to the core Mm. of biblical terminology, language, and expression. Mm. And that's why we want to, um, through the study, encourage everyone to start renewing the mind according to truth, but also according to biblical terminology. The way we build our our sentences, Mm. the way we think, the way we think about God, the way we want to express ourselves towards God, because we maintain that coming to God, we have freedom, but there's protocol. He's still the king. He's still a holy, almighty God. He still dwells in unapproachable light, and we have been brought into the light, but that means we leave whatever we were in the flesh behind. We don't bring that in. Mm. Don't bring our slang and our language and our terminology of our time in. Don't adjust God to yeah. the generation. We are generation. 
generation can be adjusted and conformed to him. Yes. I maintain this is the standard. I couldn't agree and with I you think more. this is going to be very important. And that's why, as a young person, you are not trying to use a different language to no. reach young people. We are, speak normally, mm. but we maintain a high level of honorability. I think just in that, um, what I've found is when language specifically becomes adjusted to sound more familiar, specifically to younger, the younger generation, it takes away some of the the honor, the dignity, the maturity, I almost want to say, of of God, of Yahweh. And I think for anyone who's seeking young or old, even if a child is seeking the true God of the universe, the creator God, the God of the Bible, then one of the very first ways to identify that this is a person who truly knows God is going to be by the way that he or she holds himself, speaks, expresses themselves, because it would be with a nobility, with a, a valor, stature, um, because we are children, sons and daughters of the Most High God, of the King. And so we should carry ourselves with that kind of mm. dignity and nobility. And I think the moment we, we diminish that in any way, mm. it takes away, it kind of puts a strange light, but who is God then not the God of the Bible? Because surely this God would maintain the highest um, level and um, standard of of nobility and honor. Mm. And so I think with language specifically, just in reaching any generation, the way we express ourselves specifically in language, if it's according to the way that we see those who have gone before us have continuously expressed themselves, they haven't changed it. Mm. And they even lived in different generations. Mm. And I think sometimes we try maybe too hard to be familiar, but then lose some of the substance that was supposed to communicate the 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 honor and the glory of God, mm. um, yeah. And and we don't want to take away from um, the adjustment that takes place in a believer, where uh, God has to break down our ego and take us into yes. unfamiliar places, and in that process, He can cause us to uh, embrace an undignified stands when it comes to him and other people. We've got nothing to prove. Mm. But still, there's something that's going to be established on the inside. Mm. If we are to become pillars in the house of God, then uh, we're going to have to grow from rolling around on the ground to becoming pillars. And there's a time where we will break down mm. uh, our own walls and our own high yes. places and bring yes. it low. Now, when it comes to prayer... Um, we see in Psalm 24, and we're going to go there, for instance, he starts uh, in verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. And there, the Jews, when in um, Babylon, uh, over that period of time, they started a process of writing the name of God out of the scriptures. Mm. And they replaced the name or the the name of God Yahweh, uh, the word we see it replaced by Adonai, and mm. Adonai is translated Lord. Mm. Now, just in that, it could show how 
This would originally read, the earth belongs to Yahweh. The owner, the one that possesses. it belongs to, possesses the earth, is Yahweh. That's what it would have read. Now this is a just a way of understanding mm -hmm. that we want to uh, maintain the original substance and weight mm. of what the word says. Um, because just in this small adjustment that was made a long time ago, already they took away some of the integrity and the weight of a beautiful psalm written by the friend of God. Okay, so let's just backtrack and go back to mm. um, when we come into prayer. So we want to maintain that it is best for maturing in the Lord to renew the mind according to biblical language, terminology, mm. and expression. Mm. I believe this is going to keep us in a safe space when it comes to prayer, worship, praise, and thanksgiving. Now, um, within the safe space that we create through this, we can actually express ourselves so much better. Yes. Okay. So let's look at some of the aspects of prayer. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> like we said, we're going to look at uh, the Psalms specifically because we see that King David, more than most believers would, had the opportunity in his lifetime to go through severe trials and tests and persecutions. And through all of those years of being hunted and sought after and hiding in caves and running from armies, he had the opportunity to develop a very clear focus on the things of God and a magnificent prayer ability. Mm. And uh, you know, obviously very few of us will ever have that opportunity to, to be tested in that way, to that extent. I just want to interject here that imagine... That this is going to be God. God said so the Israelites said their first king, and he's rejected by God because simply he did not develop the ability to honor God's ways, mm. to understand approaching God, maintaining an obedience and a respect and a relationship with God. Mm. I, I believe that a um, big cause mm. of King Saul. Um, falling when being rejected from God or by God is simply because he was going through the motions but he was not maintaining the um, relationship. Mm. So not maintaining the, the relationship had dire consequences for King Saul. Now, the way that the Lord works with King David is completely different. He's going to be the king. He is the person that is going to have to carry the entire nation of God mm. um, in prayer and in on his shoulders. Mm. He is going to be the king's tent to determine the fate yes. of the nation. Yes. Um, because the kings and the leaders uh, either bring the whole nation back to God or their actions lead to the whole nation falling away. Now, King David is going to have this responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so, developing God, using 
and creating circumstances to develop a uh, prayer ability in King David is training him and equipping him mm. for the responsibilities that he's going to carry. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> and so you were saying that few of, of us would... Yeah, few of us would ever go through that level of <coughs> trial and tribulation. Now, we do know that there are tests of faith. There is a uh, difficulties, if we want to put it that way, to, for God to train us to keep a clear focus, to keep continuously seek Him and draw closer and you know delve deeper into the Word. We do know that there are tests and trials and things that will test our faith and perfect our faith. But I think something that we'd like to make clear in, the, in this teaching is that those trials and tribulations and tests of faith wouldn't actually be necessary if we were just faithful and obedient. If we had just learned the things that we were supposed to learn and just do the things we were supposed to do, then it wouldn't actually be necessary to test or you know put pressure on us to learn um, they are mainly there for us to learn because we need a kind of a motivator, something to mm. push us in the right direction. And mm. uh, so in us looking at the Psalms, we see that King David was this forerunner and he had the opportunity, albeit difficult and testing, he had the opportunity to learn and to develop certain aspects of prayer. And now we have this gift as the body, being the same body as he is, to be able to learn and mine from his prayers, from his prayer life, from his attitude and his focus to mine some of these treasures that he has already gained. Which means that we, if we learn it correctly, if we implement it correctly, if we imitate it correctly, then we don't have to go to that extent of being tested and being put through trials because we are just learning what we need to learn anyway. Um, so I, I think a good example would be you know, so King David goes through all these trials and tribulations. We know that he teaches his son Solomon. We know from the Bible that he teaches him in wisdom all these aspects of prayer, maintaining of you know faithfulness toward God, uh, walking in the ways of God. But then we see that King Solomon, for the first time, and even though the kingdom wasn't a kingdom that long, but we know that there was many. Uh, fights and wars and um, things that the kingdom of Israel had to go through while King David was reigning. Mm. And in the time of King Solomon, we see that there is peace. So God establishes peace throughout his reign. And even though King Solomon had started out in wisdom and implementing and walking out everything that his father had taught him, mm. um, because of the absence of tests and trials, and we do know that he, he's quite popular Mm. Um, you know, he's, he's known for his wisdom, he's known for his wealth, and sooner, eventually in his walk, he kind of forgets, doesn't apply everything that he was taught by his father diligently, doesn't continue in diligence in walking out what he has learned, and then we see that he actually loses his way, and not only him, but it causes the, <laughs> the split of the kingdoms after that, and actually ten tribes are lost because of his lack of diligence, because of his lack of learning and maintaining the things that he had learned. It's actually the loss of um, the kingdom of Israel, the mm. Jews. Um, and it has consequences up till today. Mm. 
So we have to consider when looking at prayerability, we have to consider King Solomon. He spends much of his lifetime still building the temple mm. uh, with all the fittings and putting uh, the, much of um, the grandeur of the priesthood in place in its official form. And he's developing the city of Jerusalem to a large extent. So he's doing the things, mm. busy with the things of God. But it's very clear that it's not maintaining the relationship. Where King David has a very humble personal relationship with God. His longing is for um, the house of God. Mm for the ways of God, for mm -hmm. the statutes of God. Now, I think this is a, a very important lesson for us to learn because we cannot become so busy with our discipleship, building the house of God. Because mm -hmm. that's what we are in um, our generation and our time. We are the living stones being built in to become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, although individually is indwelling us, together we become His dwelling place, His mm -hmm. temple. The Bible says that. Now, as King Solomon was building the temple, in the process of all this su seeming success, mm. he himself as a man, as a person, neglects the personal relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so we have to remind ourselves mm -hmm. and develop and cultivate a consciousness, a mm -hmm. carefulness. We can be seemingly doing well in the aspects of discipleship. Yes. Um, but it's all about the close relationship, the friendship. The, so there's, there's the protocols, there's the principles, there's the eternal building blocks or eternal truths. Mm -hmm. There's the study of the Word of God. There's the intentional way we fellowship together with the body. Mm. But in the end of the day, all of this is going to hinge on that personal relationship with Yahweh. Um, mm. With the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it's the health, uh, the purity the sanctity of that relationship mm. that is going to determine the outcome of all the other things that we do. Yes, yes. Mm. yes. And yet, the relationship doesn't diminish or take away from the standard of everything else that we've mentioned. We have to get both so, right. Yeah. Um, there's no, no exception made. For an Israelite to have a personal relationship with God, not even King David, mm. and um, uh, no exception made for that person to neglect the formal relationship yes. uh, with uh, in relation to God. So King David places a lot of emphasis on the commandments, the statutes, yes. the ways of God, the commandments of God. And I think that's that balance that we want to also mm. incorporate in prayer mm. life. Mm. Okay, so, so aspects. Some of the aspects of prayer that we see specifically from, from Psalms, but also throughout the Word, uh, in the prayer examples that we do have, but specifically focusing on the Psalms, 
we see that the aspects of King David's prayer incorporate the following. So, expressions of prayer, song, poetic expression, thanksgiving, praise, worship, proclamation, repentance, seeking help, protection, provision, mercy, grace, forgiveness, edification, requests and supplication, self-edification through expressing who God is, and intercession. Something that we do not see at all in his prayer life. There's no sign of the modern concept of spiritual warfare in the form that is practiced by Christians today. So he doesn't take on the enemy at all. He doesn't even pray directly against his enemies, even though we do know there's a lot of mention of his enemies. But all the prayer is directed to God and based on his relationship with God. So even if there is form of some kind of warfare, it's never directed directly Mm-mm. at his enemies. It's always in context to praying towards God. Um, and from his positioning within God and within God's plan and within God's will. Um, so I think that's just important to, to mention. Interesting aspect that we could also incorporate into our life as believers is that he would call out to God mm. um, regarding the hardships, the threats, the dangers, the enemies. Um, and yet, he would not engage in any form of the modern idea of spiritual warfare. He would declare God's might, his work, his power, his authority, and so forth and so forth. But then King David will go from that place Mm. in the early mornings or the dark of night. He would still go out and go and do um, the courageous... Uh, perform the courageous acts. Mm. He would still go and fight the enemy. But he's not fighting his enemy in the inner room. He's engaging with God regarding the aspects of his life. He's getting edified, built up and strengthened. And um, he's maintaining a foundation of faith in his prayer life. And from that place, Mm. he himself goes and he... um, Secures the victories. He defeats the, his enemies are defeated. I think this ties so well with the our main concept that we actually started with, is that he's not just going to pray and then expect God to just do everything and he's cried out so he's done what you know his part. He's going to pray, proclaim the will of God, pray in line with the truth of who God is, his plan, his will, and then he's going to not just say amen, but he's going to in action, amen. So he's going to mm. go out and kind of confirm. He's going to show and you know um, exhibit the fact that God's will is true. What he's praying towards God is not just what he wants God to be and what he wants God to do, but mm. it is truth. He's saying back to God what God is, what God knows, what God has planned. And then he's going to go out and it's going to manifest because it is true. Mm. Um, yeah. This brings us to, to one of the most important concepts of prayer that we have to make sure is always true and always in place. And that is that if I'm going to express things in prayer, I'm going to have to make sure in between times of expressed prayer 
that those things are true, that it's established, that it's done, that it's lived out, that it is um, actioned. So prayer ability is, uh, has to encompass all of this. Not just the ability to speak to God, mm. the ability to express to God, the ability to have the Word in us, understand the Word, and, and go forth in, in wisdom and prayer. But then the prayer ability is the ability to live accordingly, act accordingly, to establish so the Amen that uh, started in prayers to follow through mm. in your life out there yes. to the next Amen. Yes. That's where we want to place the emphasis. Now, before we look at uh, Psalm 24, we're going to look at Psalm 24. We want to keep in mind the Lord's Prayer. So He starts, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And this is where our challenge lies. Mm. Because He could say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Those who come to God has to believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now, those who come to Yahweh has to believe that He is. He is who He is. He will be who He will be. And the message of who He will be is from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation. And this is where we believe that is what it means. Our Father who art in heaven and hallowed be thy name, this now becomes a ability of life, ability mm. of uh, sustainable action and thinking and speaking. Mm. So this is where uh, we come to steadfastness, yes. that part of prayer. And we need to make sure that this becomes reality. Now we see the same thing. Let's go to Psalm 24. But we are going to pause quickly. So the reason I said we're going to pause is because uh, Silani just joined us. And uh, welcome back. Thank you. Okay, so we just wrote there and she's going to help us uh, with the Psalms. Good. Silani, we're going to ask you. (laughs) (laughs) So Silani, we're going to ask you to... Just read Psalm 24, just read verse 1 and 2 for us, please. Okay. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and all and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Right, so what can we learn out of the way he starts the psalm? Okay, so we'll see this throughout many of the psalms. King David has a way of doing this or applying this dynamic so we know that most of the psalms were not just written you know in king david's spare time when he had a lovely worship session with the lord and then excused himself from fellowship and decided to you know poetically kind of write down his thoughts and his meditations many of his psalms were actually written in in kind of dire situations so there's a good chance that this kind of psalm would have been written Yes, he would have been probably alone in his tent, having fellowship with the Lord. But the reality might be that outside were encamped thousands of Philistines that have come to make war against him. So he would be actually surrounded by his enemies. Um, Or it could be that he was hiding in a cave somewhere, 
he and a few handful of men, you know, hearing soldiers' footsteps outside, kind of looking for him to kill him or that kind of thing. So there would be dire situations that he would actually apply this, and then we see that he starts with this kind of dynamic. Just so, I, I just want to—we've got to get this this picture right because this will help us to bring ourselves to this place of prayer. Mm. Sorry to interrupt you, but so so imagine he's in his his tent's probably bigger than the average foot soldiers. Um, if they had tents. Tents, they're probably sleeping outside, yeah. so at least he's got a bit of a tent, but it's dusty, mm-hmm. it's hot, mm-hmm. at night it's cold. The people are probably scared, you know, murmuring. You know, at night it's freezing and during the day very hot, dusty. Um, they might have been away from home for months. Exactly. They might have been, say it's two months. So we've been under lockdown now for, what Three is it? Three weeks. Three weeks. Mm. Three weeks. For most people, it <laughs> feels like forever. Five years. You know, in the, we're not saying specifically, historically, this psalm, but some of these mm. psalms that comes in the form of prayer or worship, he might have been away from home now for three months. Mm. Um, With limited supplies. Traveling. Mm. A rugged terrain. He has to keep all the um, all the, these hundreds of thousands of troops that are there. Mm. He's the commander in chief. No, he has to keep the order. He has all this weight on his shoulders, all this responsibility, all the worries, the entire kingdom, all the normal people that mm. they are fighting. Yeah, he for. has to make sure everything back home is still fine and functioning and running. He has to be sure that, you know, strategically the army advances in the right way. He has a lot of responsibility. So it's out of that context. And and the the reason this is important is because we want to get the context of our lives Mm. um, right. We want to bring everything in the right context. So yes, I might be in the middle of one of the big challenges of my life. Um... I might have a family member that's sick or dying. I might have a financial burden. And we are in a time where this is going to be very real for m- mm-hmm. many believers. Mm-hmm. Um, we are looking at the huge burden we carry of there's a world out there and our brothers and sisters are lost. They don't know the truth. And they are being taught um, in churches. They're being taught perverted doctrine uh, very often. Um, the teachings of the Antichrist. And we, we have many different perspectives, but this is such a, a, a correctional viewpoint. And so what is he doing here? Is he starting off saying, Lord, I, I'm going to pray now? Um, well, well, no, not that kind. Let's face it. So there's like panic. He's in the middle of the desert and his enemies... Lord, you need to drop everything. I'm in the middle of a crisis. This is my petition. Help me with this. Help me with this. Do that. Do that. Do that. <laughs> we have to get comment on some of the ways I've seen people pray. Now, we've all been in this little circle of believers where everybody gets a chance to pray. Okay, and there you can pick up how people have their kind of 
procedures of prayer. Mm-hmm. Now, can we just note the fact that he starts off with, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Mm-hmm. Yahweh is the owner and the Lord of this earth. Mm-hmm. That's where he starts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a good lesson. Instead of going, Lord, I have come today. Humbly. And, and I, I just want to pray. The I'll Lord pray. is going like... What do you want to pray? <laughs> <laughs> Say it. Say it. <laughs> I'm just point, informing, I'm informing point, you. <laughs> in, case you, in case you didn't notice, I'm praying. Just take note, please. I'm, I'm praying. I've got the posture. The angels are going like, oh man, mention, mention, mention the Lord. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> I actually had, uh, had a friend that was very cute when he prayed, he did this. It's like, <laughs> let everyone know, just in case you're missing it. <laughs> okay, which is not wrong. No. Not yeah. wrong. We have postures, but we're going to talk about prayer posture. But this is an important thing. He's just going to get to the point. And why is he doing it like this? So why is he getting to this point specifically? So, <clears throat> obviously being king, during the daytime, you know, walking through the camp of soldiers or walking through the kingdom or walking through the city, you know, uh, things are happening. He's having his fellowship time with God, but also strategically living out, walking in the plans that he knows that God has for him. And within those times, it's often much easier to kind of be aware of you know he is the anointed of the lord god is by his side things are unfolding things are happening but we know we all know from experience that nighttime usually has a bit of another dynamic to it so imagine he's in the wilderness armies are camping all around him and here he is alone in his tent and out of sight of all the soldiers out of sight of all the armies now he's a man and in that moment he can feel rather un imagining rather insignificant Mm. just a man in a tent and a lot of people have a lot of expectation from him to perform there's a lot of responsibility riding on his shoulders and it's in this moments these moments that i imagine that he immediately takes in this stance because what he does instead of going from his positioning trying to pray to god to kind of help god understand how he's feeling right now you know lord i'm feeling insignificant help me strengthen me Immediately he takes the opposite of what we would imagine the natural kind of feeling or or response or um, interaction that we would start from. He immediately goes, he overbalances to the other side and he starts with, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those that dwell therein. So immediately he goes, not who I am, what my positioning looks like and my insignificance, what I feel like. Immediately he goes, who is the Lord? So He jumps over that dividing line almost and looks not from the earth's perspective trying to gaze through to heaven to try and, you know, just if he can just see God's presence, then he'll feel stronger. He immediately goes, jumps across the dividing line and kind of from God's positioning starts looking back onto the world. So he's looking at the world and the world can seem very big and he can seem very insignificant. But from God's perspective, the earth earth is the Lord's. And the world and all those who dwell therein belongs to God. And so immediately we see, and then he goes, we has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. So immediately, from God's perspective, he's looking back on the world. And now, the world seems small and insignificant compared to his God. 
So instead of trying to look from his positioning to who God is to try and find strength towards God, he's going to look from God's perspective and go like, you know, if the world is Yahweh's and the earth and all the people in it and the seas and everything that has been created has been created according to God's will and God's plan, now, you know, there's a, there's a whole new perspective to his situation. A whole new perspective to his life and what he has to now pray, how he's going to respond to his situation, to his circumstances, but also going to respond to God within those circumstances. Um, so yeah. lesson number one out of the Psalm 24 is be aware of perspective. Mm -hmm. And if need be, make sure that you change perspective. Perspective is going to be determining in the outcome. Of things and we want to apply this to the kind of person we are in the world perspective is going to be very important in the outcome mm -hmm. when it comes to our approach to things our way that we are going to deal with things um, the person with a, a positive hopeful a confident perspective mm -hmm. will always have a better outcome than a person that doesn't have a confident perspective now we don't want to encourage self-confidence. No, we no. want to encourage a perspective of God-confidence. Put God in His right place and put ourselves in context to being in Messiah, chosen son or daughter of God, in my own right place in, uh, in context to the world around me and the circumstances and the other people around me. Mm. So perspective is a very mighty weapon mm. so first thing perspective he's changing perspective before he does anything else mm. now what does Yahushua do in the prayer that he teaches us our father who art in heaven we see King David doing exactly the same mm. thing God in his right perspective hallowed be thy name mm. no matter what we're going to do your name is Yahweh and that is the biggest thing in the universe. Those four letters, the name that was not supposed to be said, the biggest, most powerful thing on earth and in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. And it's the purpose for my life. And no matter what happens, this will be the outcome. Your name will be hallowed. Now, how many times does Paul confirm that God mm -hmm. does everything for the glory of his name? Mm -hmm. Moses confirms that the Old Testament continuously affirms this. Mm -hmm. For the sake of your name. For the sake of your name. So this is what he's doing. Now we're going to ask Solani, can you please now read for us through the rest of the song. Very short song. Mm. We, we didn't choose this song. Mm. We didn't go through the <laughs> Lord. When we were praying about Lord, what do you want to teach your people this Sunday? He directed us. He didn't tell us what he was going to teach on. He directed us to Psalm 24. And then Psalm 25. And then... He started opening up for us what is on in his heart. So read, will you read first? Mm. From the top, let's just continue. You can pick it up from verse 1 and continue all the way through. Okay. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. 
He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. What King David does here is beautiful. He actually establishes the creation, mm. uh, the God of creation as an eternal truth. Mm. So he starts in the beginning. And he's going to end this very short uh, psalm that's a prayer, right in the end of things, mm. when the Lord of hosts returns. So he's literally <laughs> just putting out there as a very, as an enormous power punch uh, exhortation and uh, proclamation. He's just putting it out that this is uh, the reality, this is the truth, this is uh, he positioning himself and uh, the God of the universe within the context of the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the plan of God, the salvation plan of God. He's just putting it out there. But what he's going to do next, he's going to continue to position himself rightfully in prayer. Now if you uh, we're going to lift these things out. Then you take um, from Psalm 22. Mm. You read it all the way through and you ignore the fact that it's different psalms. Mm. You read okay. it as one, one prayer. <laughs> and you just fit it in together as a thought process of prayer. Mm. Now, here in 24, what he's going to do is he now uh, corrected perspective. So this is, God is, the earth is small and God is big. Now, as the person who is approaching this almighty eternal God in prayer, uh, we have to now make sure that our perspective on ourselves as the prayerful person is also correct. Now, who may approach God? Who may ascend the hill of God? Now, this is where it becomes very important. That's the righteousness mm -hmm. of Messiah teaching. The building block, the eternal truth of the righteousness of Messiah comes in here. He is going, all my confidence is in the blood of the Lamb and the washing of the Lamb. This is how I'm going to position myself. Mm -hmm. So why is this important to take note? Is lesson number two is we keep a good perspective when it comes to who am I in Messiah. Mm. Never bring your mirror image of yourself into prayer. Yes. This is where your prayer will no longer be effective. Mm. Because if I have to weigh up, am I righteous enough to pray for God to end the coronavirus pandemic on the earth? then obviously I'm going to fall short. Mm. But the fact is that I'm God's representative and priesthood on earth, washed by the blood of the Lamb. I know the Word of God and I know the God of the Word. And this is who this is. I believe that God can end a pandemic in a day. Mm. That is why we pray together at 6 uh, p.m. every day. And I want to encourage everybody to pray with this perspective and this attitude. We're not just praying because that's what 
believers do. Yeah, We're praying for an outcome. We are, why? We are positioned like this. Yes. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now, you see, it's not about whether I sinned or didn't sin. It's the fact that those sins are washed away, away by the blood of the mm. Lamb. This is reaffirming and positioning yourself in accordance to His finished work, His mercy, His grace, His blood, His sacrifice, His victory. And so, he's going, this is what He's doing. He's positioning Himself in a position where He's going, no one's going to tell me I don't have the right. Mm. To come into the presence of God and bring my petition. Mm. So, uh, this is all you have to learn from this. He's going to say, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol? Now, I have. But that doesn't matter because it's been forgiven and washed away as if it never existed. existed. But today, I'm no longer that person. No longer an idol worshiper. I worship Yahweh and Yahweh alone. Mm. And um, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord. Now you see, now he's bringing himself very quickly in a prayerful attitude to a place where he goes like, I will be blessed by the Lord. I have put God, I keep God in his rightful place. Mm. The things of earth in its rightful place. See myself in my rightful place in Messiah. And that means he shall receive a blessing from the Lord. So I'm positioned in a place where I'm expecting to be blessed in what I'm praying for. What I'm praying for right now is that the Lord will uh, put His right uh, hand and the might of His right arm into a situation globally. And I'm asking it. Why? Because I will be blessed mm. by the Lord. And righteousness from the God of His salvation. Now, you see, that is, now, righteousness is, I will not only be blessed, but I will be kept in the straight path on the right way. Mm. So, I'm already confident of tomorrow and the day after mm. regarding my walk and the walk for the body. And uh, because we're running out of time, I'm just quickly going to take us to what comes after this. So, he's now positioned, and then he says, and this is very important, he has now lost. Again, we see King David going through this process mm, over and over. Mm. He's lost his individualism. Yeah. He's he lost himself, himself as a person. <laughs> yes. He has now gone through to a process where he says, This is Jacob, mm. the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Again, Jacob, we have taught on, taught on this. If someone else is looking at this um, teaching Go have a look at the teaching where Jacob, as he lies down with his head on the rock, he represents the body. Um, he represents the body of Messiah. Through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, the body of Messiah. Because in Jacob, um, the promise is made to the son of promise, that is Jacob, but actually to Messiah that is still in Jacob. And we are in Messiah, so he's lying down. And... Um, he has the dream, the vision, the revelation uh, as representing the body. Mm. And here, King David very clearly um, takes all of God's believers from... That's why we said we're not going to adjust the way we do things 
to the generation we're in. Mm. We're going to bring the generation that we're from mm. together with us to the core mm. of the one body. Mm. Um, and we fellowship together with Abel mm. all the way through to the um, worshippers and the heroes of the last generation. Yes. We are all together one with them. And this is what he's doing right here. And... Um, this is where we're going to end this teaching because we're going to do another teaching and then we're going to continue through the so gates and we're going to connect these things with the rest of references in the rest of the word mm -hmm. and we're going to see how all of that fits together and then we're going to continue to do Psalm 25 um, we're going to go all the way through 27 so you can start to read through there uh, 28 and 29 we're gonna do we're gonna do some 30 and 31 hopefully we'll get a little bit further than that uh, those things we don't have to unpack as carefully we just have to mm. show how we can enrich our prayer life mm. and then we're gonna backtrack again to Psalm 22 and finally we're going to look at Psalm 23 now uh, she said to me all these psalms have so many notes, and Psalm 23 has one, <laughs> one little note. Because, see, from an immature world, Psalm 23 is beautiful. Yes. But it's probably one of the psalms where we, we learn a few very important things, but it's not more significant than yes. Psalm 30 or Psalm 25, actually. Yes. It's just more poetic. Yes, yes. And so we want to we want to bring a correction there as well. That that which falls pleasantly on our ears isn't always the most effective or mm. the most enduring or the most eternal. Mm. Um, Actually, I think in comparison, Psalm twenty four, if prayed, would bring much more edification than Psalm twenty three because of mainly just because of the perspective thing that we've discussed. So Psalm 23 kind of goes, oh, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, mm -hmm. which is great because we know that the Lord does protect us. But I mean, Psalm 24 mm -hmm. going from the earth is the Lord's mm -hmm. and all its fullness. Powerful. It's a completely different kind of feeling and oh no, power. Mm -hmm. It's explosive. Mm -hmm. So what do you feel so far? Do you think there's um, a new perspective opening up? Mm -hmm. I hope so. Yeah. So, okay, so I know all of you are going to read through these songs, Enjoy. make notes, see what you pinpoint, what mm. you see, and... Um, Sit in it. Yeah. Pray it. So see what we're going to do is we're going to um, take some of these expressions, one-liners, mm. thoughts, and we're going to start to weave it mm. into our prayer ability. Mm -hmm. yes. And um, then you'll have to wait for the next or next time. Mm. Be blessed. Amen.